You're listening to the Give Me Five podcast, special edition Give Me One, on Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 3. This episode is brought to you by Nameshark, the name memory app, because without it, I sure as hell am not remembering all the names. Real talk, down up. I needed to do this song. Yeah, I'm a nerd. It's a big secret, but I'm a nerd. And I love these books. If you watch it on HBO and think you know what's going on, I appreciate that. The people who waited five years for dance, this one's for you. Check it. Well, in an effort to catch up with the real-time showings of Game of Thrones, we are going to talk about episode three of Game of Thrones right now. That way, when we talk about Game of Thrones next week, we will be on the same week as the actual episode. Hooray! Sounds good. Okay, so this episode, uh, you know, more battles, more treachery, more, more violence. More good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, more death. And uh, so I'm just going to give a quick rundown, and then these guys are going to make fun of me as I screw up names. <laughs> oh, I already see one. Go ahead. Okay, so... Uh, episode starts off with a meeting that I think everyone's been kind of excited about, especially the people that assumed for a very long time that Jon Snow and, and Daenerys were actually related, especially the whole Song of Ice and Fire thing and Daenerys being kind of the symbol of fire and Jon Snow being, of course, the symbol of ice. ice. Yep. I would like so, to congratulate you, Greg. You got Jon's name right. Go ahead. I did get Jon's name right. <laughs> just just wait because there's going to be there's going to be some problems soon. This is uh so Jon Snow arrives. He's got uh, Davos, the Onion Knight, with him, and greeted by Mirandi. So you got that one right too. Actually, no, I did not. And Tyrion actually shows again his good side, and you know it's almost hard to remember that he was because he was always funny, but you know, he really kind of started off the whole thing. He was this whoring, a uh, philandering. Yeah, so you know it's it's almost hard to remember that. Tyrion was, you know, disliked early on in the whole series. He was, I mean, everyone liked him based on his quips and stuff like that, but he was kind of considered evil. He was the dagger situation and being just generally weaselly. And he, of course, asks about Sansa, who, you know, you could forget, but he was or might still be married to her. And he asked to make sure he's okay. And he wants to make Jon Snow very aware, possibly because of the giant sword that Jon Snow tends to wear. He wants to make him very sure that uh, he's like, hey, look, I didn't touch your sister. Oh, so. That that was uncomfortable. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was you know, very not very consummated. Yeah. Just want to make that clear. John's like, I didn't ask. I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just all right. Tyrion definitely is oh, makes him aware. He's like, look, I'm, I wouldn't have come if I was you, because uh, you know, Stark Stark men don't really fare so well when they come south, and that this is true. true. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did say that he needed he needed John to come. He wanted him to come, but he did understand that his advisors probably would have told him not to come, and he did say that. Hell, if I was one of your advisors, I'd have told you not to come. Yeah. And they took they took him in to meet Daenerys, and Daenerys is very impressive up on her throne. And how great of a herald is Davo? You know, when they arrive in Danny's keep, Missandei, which I did mispronounce. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. We didn't want to call you out so early. Uh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> Significantly less embarrassing. Um. 
you know, kind of lists off all of her titles. It's like, you know, Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen, rightful heir to the Iron Throne, rightful queen of the Andals and the First Man, protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the mother of dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grassy, the Unburnt, the Breaker of Chains, the Barbecuer of Men, the Petter of Dragons, whatever. And, of course, the Onion Knight is just like, oh, yeah, well, this is Jon Snow. He, he looks taken aback. He, he almost doesn't know how to—well, he well, he doesn't know how to introduce Jon Snow. So he's just like, uh— this is John. Oh, and so, he's king in the north. Oh yeah, he's king of king of the north. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like an afterthought. <laughs> and John kind of glances over at him, like, "Thanks." <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Worst hype man yeah, ever. Exactly. That's this meeting that we've we've expected for a long time, and really, Daenerys comes off way too strong. Very overbearing. Yeah, part of that is that we know who Jon Snow is. We know the type of person he is because we've been following him for all of the other seasons, whereas Danny, this is really their first meeting. And and I also think that I honestly think that part of it is is the what Daenerys has been exposed to. The only way that she's been able to get through to people is to by force them into submission. She she can't rely she hasn't really met anybody of Jon Snow's character. She's only dealt with she's only dealt with Weasley people who she's had to force into submission. So that's the only thing she knows so far. Yeah, she dealt with the the we keep saying the word Weasley, but she dealt with the noblemen of Marine who had, you know, their own agendas. Um, but, you know, really, ever since she walked into the fire and came out with the dragon on her shoulder, people have really just kind of bowed to her and bent the knee. So you have a strong character who comes and meets with Danny, whom she ex- totally expects to bend the knee, and John will not. But there are some hints of that rough exterior cracking a little bit and just conversations about her people saying that she has these dragons she has all of these warriors she could take the city if she wants to but she doesn't want to kill innocents so they are starting to you there is a sense that Jon snow is aware that she's a good person because again he knows of the targaryens from the mad king who was killing thousands of innocents as well and the fact that she's restraining herself and he recognizes that and actually says that to her is is kind of a good sign, I guess, for future relations. So Jon Snow basically starts talking about the army of the dead and is people kind of look at him like he's crazy, which is funny considering they've got giant ass dragons. Yeah. Yeah. I with as much as as, as we've seen, it, it's almost like, wait, how, how do you not believe him? Because we've seen it. You know, we fought. We yeah. saw him get chased no, we've down seen by him the, come back from the dead. <laughs> Which they allude to. Yes. And, you know, that quickly, Jon Snow quickly dismisses that. And, in, you know, later on in their conversation after after Jon leaves and, and... Tyrion and Daenerys are talking. Daenerys, yeah, and Daenerys says, what's this about taking a dagger to the heart? For his people. So we'll see where that goes. And one of the quotes from this section that really got me when they were talking about, you know, we're just children basically bickering over the Iron Throne, and there's this army coming, and the quote was something like, it doesn't matter whose skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. If everyone's dead, it doesn't matter who wins this stupid right. game. And and I do have to say that I really like the exchange between Tyrion and Jon Snow on the, on the cliffs after Jon Snow was kind of defeated and didn't realize, or didn't think that he was going to get any kind of cooperation from Daenerys. So he goes out to the cliff to brood, and Tyrion is coming out there, and he's like... I came out here to brood about my failure to predict the Greyjoy attack, but I feel like you're a better brooder than I am. (laughs) 
You're kind of he's, making me fail at brooding about yeah. failing, which is he, kind of weird. <laughs> he says, uh, you, you're, you look better when you're brooding than I do. Yeah, kind of making me feel like I'm failing at brooding about failing. I've never had the opportunity to brood on the end of a cliff looking over the ocean, so have you? I have not, but it seems like it would be pretty epic. Yeah, right? I know you've totally done the whole Dawson's Creek thing, though, where you brood at the edge of a lake. I have not. <laughs> Where we last left Theon, he was turning back into Reek and leaping into the ocean. He's being pulled from the ocean now. He's turning blue because it's really freaking cold. And so he's been he's been rescued. Um, and for the people that were not rescued, we have Yara and the two remaining Sand Snakes are getting paraded through the streets by, as we call him, Urine. And people are throwing salad at him. Because when you're starving, what you do is throw food at people that you don't like. <laughs> So, good old Urin parades Yara through the streets, and one of the remaining sand snakes and her mother, which is Alaria Sand, and they basically give them over to Circe, who does promise Urin that if everything goes well, if the war is won, then she will give him what he wants, and he what he wants is to marry whatever Italy. his heart desires, which of course. Would make them what, Rob? <laughs> Seer and Lanajoy. Seer and Lanajoy, yep. So they cut over to a prison where the last remaining Sand Snake and her mother are kind of chained opposite each other to the walls. Circe comes in, gives a speech, you know, all about Ilaria's lover, who was um, Oberon, who was, of course, killed because he gloated over the mountain, who is still alive and looking kind of kind of fresh but he's kind of starting to he's rotten away kind of zombie-ish he's kind of zombie like you don't really see his face but i just don't think that smells very good uh, just baking in that armor she puts on some lipstick and plants a nice kiss on the last remaining sand snake of course revenge for her daughter that was poisoned the exact same way and and i have to and admit that of all the evil things that cersei has done this is by far probably the most justified it and the the um the title of the title of the episode is the queen's justice so that right there rob like you said is the queen's justice and you know while it sucks and it's it's just you know diabolical like is is what's expected of Cersei. i i'm watching that scene and i i just sit back and i go well you know you you kind of brought that on yourself as much you, as it you sucks you kind of deserved that one yeah, if you live in that world, you don't really want to paint a target on your back. And and in all honesty, um, the the remaining sand snake, sand snake, her daughter, is far less innocent than what Cersei's daughter was when she was killed. So you know, it's I really I really don't have any pity for her at that point, and I don't really hate Cersei for doing that. I mean, Cersei's done plenty to make me to make me be like, man, this lady's evil. But that really wasn't one of them. Immediately after. Doing a mini laughter kissing the last remaining sand snake with poison on her mouth. She wipes her mouth clean and takes leave. And they do cut to a scene soon thereafter where she walks up to Jamie and plants a nice big kiss on him. And all I could think about was, I hope you cleaned your, your mouth with a little more than just a rag. Yeah, I, I had the same thought. She also drank the antidote. True. Yeah. A true. So, they cut the scene to Jon Snow is, is chatting with Tyrion, 
basically, you know, wondering, am I trapped here? Is Danny going to trap me on this on this island or down at, at uh, Dragonstone? Is that the name of it? Yeah, yes. he, he says, am I your prisoner? And there, Daenerys says, not yet. Yeah. yeah. So he's chatting with, with Tyrion, and things are starting to get a little better. Um, of course, there's dragons flying around overhead, and... and I love your show notes here. It's just so much dragon, period. So much dragon. <laughs> uh, there was a lot. Of, there was a significant amount of dragon just flapping around. But one of the key one of the key points of this of this scene is that as they're talking, um, Jon Snow kind of tells Tyrion what's going on and asks Tyrion if he believes him. And Tyrion basically tells him that you know I've never known you to be a liar. You are a straight yes. up and honest guy, kind of thing. And if you say that's what it is, that's what it is. I don't necessarily believe it, but I believe you. Yes. And But he also says that it's not a reasonable request to ask, you know, Daenerys to believe this. So do you have something else I can do for you? And at that point, they don't they don't say it, but that's where that's where John goes into the whole dragon glass thing and says, yes, we need dragon glass, which Tyrion then takes to Daenerys mm-hmm. and basically convinces Daenerys to let him have the dragon glass because a, she didn't even know it was there. B it doesn't mean anything to her. So exactly. she does nothing but gain from that, allowing him, he says, yeah. he says, give him nothing, give him nothing by giving him nothing and gain something mm-hmm. basically. So she extends the olive branch, and we we start. That's I think the, a step forward in that relationship. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry. It was give him something by giving him nothing, because it means nothing to you at all. And we then head north, up to Winterfell, where Sansa is taking control. And all I could think about as she was walking around and talking into talking people into starting to store up food for the winter, and trying to make sure that they have you know, more than the year of stores that they currently have. Uh, it was definitely a West Wing moment. They did the walking and talking thing that they always did on the West yeah. Wing. And, of course, with Littlefinger whispering in her ear pretty much the whole way. Trailing behind. But I will say I was impressed with how well Sansa was handling it. She seemed like she kind of had it under control. And maybe this is a turning point for her. But she's been one of the mm-hmm. more annoying characters for me because it really seems like she doesn't learn a whole lot. And then there is a kerfuffle. And yeah, I said a kerfuffle, kerfuffle because someone has arrived. A kerfuffle because someone has arrived at Winterfell. I heard a ruckus, a brouhaha, if you will. <laughs> and that someone, which they do leave a little bit of time before you figure out who it is. I totally thought it was Arya. Bran. <laughs> I thought it was too. Yeah, I did as well. And it's Bran. And he's not. He is creepy. He's as not Bran anymore. They've turned him into a robot, yeah. which I really kind of dislike. I, I I don't know that I like that they've kind of removed emotion from him, which is kind of what it yeah. seems like they've done. They they did, you know, Sansa, she she runs up and says, Bran, and he just kind of does this exorcist head turn, and just kind of widens his eyes a little tiny bit and says, hello, Sansa. It's very, like, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. And then she jumps place. on him and she jumps on him, gives him a hug, and he doesn't even hug her back. I'm like, give her a hug, you jerk. <laughs> you can still use your arms, three-eyed raven. Exactly. 
Yeah, jack wagon? Come on! Yeah. And he also reveals to her that he sees everything. And I believe in an extra creepy moment, does he not say that he saw her on her wedding he night? He did, and he described yes. it to her, and it totally creeped her out. <laughs> because if you remember from, one, the episode, but also all of the talk afterwards, it was not exactly the most pleasant of wedding nights because it did involve a lot of gratuitous rape. Mm -hmm. And the Give Me Five podcast is not going to do any long discussions about gratuitous rape. Not at all. So we're going to move on. Yeah, we're going to move past the creepy dude that thinks he's a three-eyed bird. Um, and then yet another little bit of uh, happiness. You know, Game of Thrones has been pretty good at giving you bad news and good news this season. And for every bad thing that happens, you got a little bit of good stuff. And Jorah looks like Jorah's he's healed. And he totally is. That was just for is Slughorn approves. <laughs> whoever that may be. Um, <laughs> I I believe the uh, the Maester is touching. Is he using Valerian steel? I don't know. I don't know if he is, but he's basically what he's doing is he's using a stick to probe so that he doesn't have to touch Jorah just in case. Because remember, grayscale is transmitted by touch. Yes. So he's touching him with that rod going, does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? And he's and, like, nope, nope, and nope. Yeah, and after he dismisses the infection, you have a, a really nice moment where uh, Sam, who cured Jorah by removing his giant scabs, shakes his hand. And it's it's almost as if somebody debrided the entire upper layer of your skin and applied a salve to help make it better. He says, well, I don't know anything about that. I just woke up and I felt better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the Archmaester knows what's going on, but he doesn't say anything about it. So Rob is our resident nurse. Is that how you would treat Grayscale? Um, I might have handed him his sword. Fair enough. <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm good. No, that, that, that treatment was probably super painful, and he probably passed out a little bit. Gotcha. Well, good thing it's imaginary. Mm -hmm. And to celebrate Sam's victory, he, of course, gets to copy lots of manuscripts. Rot rotting manuscripts, no less. And this is, um, you know, Sam, the uh, the maester asks Sam, he says, oh, what, were you expecting a reward? And Your reward said, is not being expelled. <laughs> exactly. Heading into the close of the episode, we get into some more battles. Uh, there's, of course, some discussion about maybe sending some dragons um, after the Iron Fleet. And, of course, the Unsullied, who were sent to Casterly Rock to take the Lannisters' old castle, get up there and run into very minimum defense. They were they were snuck in by Tyrion's old old um, whoring route where he used to sneak women into the castle. They went in, they opened the gates, and they meet much less resistance than what they had anticipated. They do. And, and Tyrion is talking about this. You know, he's getting to that part uh, where he has this opening that they can get into, and they're showing a battle happening. And he's saying many men will die, they will meet resistance, they're climbing up the wall, it just looks hopeless for the Unsullied. They're climbing up, they're getting knocked down, as Tyrion explains his plan, and then they cut to Grey Worm, who is just kind of gliding in through this open passage that Tyrion has left. To where then the Unsullied come through, they quietly go about, eliminating the guards at Castle Rock, open the gates to the Unsullied, and they just kind of come in, storm the place, and then Grey Worm is standing there with one of his colleagues and says, um, I thought there were going to be more of them. 
Where are the rest of them? Where are the rest of them? Exactly. And then they look out to the sea and they see what? The Greyjoy fleet has demolished their ships, so they have no way home. Euron's fleet is just hammering. Euron has pissed all over their fleet. <laughs> it's just hammering their transportation. Oh, I've been waiting for that joke. <laughs> nice. Thanks, folks. We'll be here all week. Add a rim shot in there. So then we cut away and find out where the Lannister army actually is. We find out where the rest of them are. Yep. And they've marched on the t- not the Tullys. The, the Tyrells. The Tyrells, yes. They've marched on the Tyrells, and the Tyrells aren't so much for the fighting. Marching on the Tyrells basically means yes. winning against yeah. the Tyrells. And they absolutely stomp through Highgarden and you know, it's just this moment after you see the the Unsullied fleet just getting completely sunk by Euron's army or Euron's navy. And then there's just another, like if the wind wasn't already knocked out of you, there it is again. And Jamie Lannister is in the room with the Tyrell matriarch. And it's just, man, it's just complete defeat. And there's a huge hole. In, in Danny's plan, but fortunately we have a little bit of a, uh, maybe a little bit of good news, maybe one more jab right before the end. So Elena Terrell is sitting there and Jamie Lannister is basically saying, look, I could have killed, I could kill you many different ways for this treason. I could flay you. I could do all sorts of stuff. And he said that he talked his sister out of anything too painful and instead decided to poison her with a poison that isn't going to be painful. He made sure that it was not a painful poison. It would just basically put her to sleep. He pours into wine and in one of the many badass moments that this character has had, that Elena has had, she just down <laughs> just chugs it. Am I the only one who, when you saw this episode, thought, and the battle of wits has begun? <laughs> yes. Just downs the glass of wine. Just like, yeah, whatever. Okay, I'm I'm done for. Might as well enjoy my wine. And then explains why she's so glad that it will not be painful. Yeah. And she basically says, I didn't pay attention to how painful the poison was when I poisoned Joffrey. To, of course, Joffrey's father, Jamie. Yes. And describes in graphic detail how he turned purple and threw up bile. Tearing at his throat. And how she was grateful that she wasn't going to have to do that. And she and spots... I thought for sure Jamie was going to stab her in the chest. I thought so, but he was just, I mean, shaken to the core. You know, she, she looks at Jamie's belt and sees his sword and says, oh, that was his sword, wasn't it? What did he call it? Widow's Whale. Which, of course, she responds with, he really was a cunt, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he was. Well, it looks like we're getting an explicit on this particular episode. Yes, we are going to bleep that out. That would actually be and, kind of funny. Might. And I've been watching this show all of the seasons, and I have never wanted a character to die more than Joffrey. Joffrey was the character so far out of everybody. I mean, past, present, whatever. I have not wanted any character to die more than Joffrey. Ramsey Bolton is up there. He's he's up there, but he wasn't around long enough to make you hate him as much as you hated Joffrey. Mm. 
I was like, Ramsey deserves this. Somebody kill him, please. But I, I actually cheered when they killed Joffrey. I was like, yes! Yeah. Kill oh, him! Yeah. <laughs> yes. So the episode ends kind of with... Uh, Jamie so storming out. Jamie storming out with the, the Tyrell matriarch. I, I, I kind of half expected her to do kind of one of those, you know... Eh. Kind of final croak. Yeah. Well, oh, not this, just a like a oh, you know. But she just kind of sits there. She's at peace. She's she said what she's need to say. She's accepted her fate. And Jamie just kind of she, it, it was very satisfying, even though she was making her exit. That takes us to the end of that episode, and we guys are up to date. Awesome! Hooray! So when next we meet. We will, of course, get a chance to talk about the correct episode on the correct week. And the peasants rejoice. Yay! Woo! Huzzah! Whoring. Whoring. You know, with the whoring and...